0: Morning, everybody. Oh, just wanted to mention too that September sixteenth, there's a walk for life. We have some brochures on the back if you want to uh, pick them up and. Uh, through the Apple Pregnancy Center and you can get sponsors and different things. So we have a bunch of farms back there if you're interested in supporting um, those cute little babies uh, that are born. So the Walk for Life September 16th and we'll be promoting that the next few weeks. Uh, just a reminder too next weekend we're having our outdoor service and uh, we're going to be up at Eau Claire Lake so um, please mark your calendars for that and make sure that uh, to invite somebody there. We're going to have a, a cookout up there too, the potluck, so um, should be a good time. We are going to uh, start through a, a new series um, as we got through life's detours, and today I just want to talk um, a little bit about our lives, and sometimes we run on empty, and as I've been going through things, I, I heard a pastor um, several weeks ago maybe a month or two ago who had given this challenge in his message about are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat and every now and then people say things and it just sticks with me and I've been thinking about that ever since I've I've heard that and um, the difference being this is that a thermostat sets the climate they're the ones that that set the climate around them they are not dictated by the weather they create the weather. So your thermostat at home, if it's too hot, you make it a little cooler and it cools the house down. If it's too cold, you turn it up a little and it warms it up. Uh, Thermometer, on the other hand, responds to the climate. So if you have your thermometer outside and it gets warm outside, The thermometer goes up, or if it's cold outside, it goes down. And so the spiritual thought about that is: is, as Christians, do we respond to the things that are going on around us? Meaning, when things are going good, we're excited. When things are going bad, we're we're down, or uh, you know, uh, we're up and down. Uh, We would be like James would say, as that. a uh, ship being tossed to and fro in the, in the seas. You know, one moment we're all on fire for the Lord, the next moment we're down. One moment we're all excited about things, the next moment we're depressed. You know, we're happy, then we're sad. That is uh, a thermometer. A thermometer responds to the climate around it. Or are we that thermostat that sets the climate? Things aren't going too well. We're going to brighten those things up. We're going to bring hope into that situation. We are going to change the environment that we are in, and uh, we need to think about that as, as we do that. And throughout the Bible, there's many examples of both. We're going to talk about Elijah today, and uh, just we have some friends here that are uh, Carlos and Kathy and some of their friends that are part of the prison ministry up in Stanley, as well as many other. Um, of the institutions in the state and they work with our, our spanish uh population basically mostly um But one of the things that that we try to do, I know in our institution, is we try to uh, have our chapel as a place where people come for hope and and they come for excitement and they come to hear the word of God, they come to be encouraged, they come to uh, bear their griefs, they come to, you know, give it all to the Lord and to grow in his word and and we try to create in our population there anyways that they become uh, thermostats. That when they are done in our chapel, whatever it is that they're participating in, that they can go back out into the the general population, back into their units, and they can make a difference. So are you making a difference in your Christian walk? Are you making a difference in the lives of others? Are you a steady um, influence on those around you? Or are you up and are you down? Are you this way and are you that way? Are, Are you committed or are you not committed? And we go through this all the time in our lives. You know, it's easy to commit to things when things are going well, but when things get tough, are we still there? When God is rebuilding, are we part of the process, or are we just sitting back and, and, and complaining about things and finding fault in those things? And, and unfortunately, many of us are fault finders, and even Elijah was a fault finder. And so we're going to be coming out of 1 Kings, and the scripture today, uh, the main basis was this. And the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah, who had came off of just some great things, and that's out of First uh, Kings 19, but if we even back up a little bit further, if we get back into chapter 18, we know that Elijah had just had a great victory. He had this, this wonderful victory. He came up against these prophets of Baal, and uh, he even mocked them, and I'm just going to highlight a few starting maybe in, starting in verse 21 of, verse, uh, of chapter 18, and he was at Mark Carmel, and the Lord had pressed upon him, and He was going to show them who the real God was. Verse 21 says, "And Elijah came to all the people and said, "How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him, but if Baal, follow Him, but the people answered Him, not a word." The thermostat in the thermometer. See, sometimes people waver between two things. We waver between the things of the world, the desires of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of our heart. Sometimes we are are drawn by uh, entertainment and those things. Sometimes money is something that drives us and and makes us compromise our beliefs and our values. And Elijah's asking this question, how long are you going to go between the two, falter between the two? You're here, then you're there, then you're there, then you're here. If the Lord is your God, if you believe that Jesus is king, he would be telling us today, then live for him. Do what it is that he has you to do. Follow him in the things that he has given us to do as his people, as his body, in our community and in our surrounding communities. Are you living for Jesus or are you faltering between the two? Are you partially committed to the work that he has called you to? The Bible says in Hebrews, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as is the habit of some. Sometimes we have that in our life that that we just, we're not committed. We're not committed. We're partially committed. If I have nothing better to do, this is what I'll do. If this tickles my fancy, then I'll be a part of it. But if I don't like it, then I'm, I may be there, I may not. See, the Lord isn't interested in in part-time participants. He wants those that are sold out for him, that will live for him, that will walk in his ways. He says, if the Lord is your God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. James would say that salt water and fresh water cannot mix. Oil and water does not mix. See, if you have a fresh well and you add salt to it, it's all salt water at that time. It says, the people answered not a word. I don't know if they were convicted in their heart or what it was. It says, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am, a left, alone, uh, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. And so he goes on with this challenge. We're going to cut them up, and, and we're going to offer them as a sacrifice. You prophets of Baal, you cut up that bull and and you put it there and you call on your God. And you see what he does. A little bit later in verse 27 it says, So it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. He had not come down. They had started their sacrifice and they were trying to call on Baal. It says, it says, cry aloud for he is a God with a little g. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he is on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and, and must be awakened. He was mocking them. Saying your God isn't responding. He's really saying your God isn't real but he's, he's mocking them saying your God must be busy doing something else. Where is he? He's not responding to this. And it says, so they cried aloud, and they cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances, until the blood gushed out on them. Can you just imagine that? How foolish sometimes people are. And they kept calling and calling and calling. Verse 30, it says, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord um, that was broken down, and Elijah took the twelve stones according to the number of tribes, and he built the altar back up, and he placed these these uh, pieces of bull around there, and then he says, "Go and fill it up with water, and fill it up again, and fill it up a third time." He told them, he says, "Fill the four water pots with water, and pour it on this burnt sacrifice of wood." He says, "Soak the wood." Soak the wood three times over. And it says until that moat around the offering was full of water. Now if any of you have ever tried to make a campfire or something, you know what it's like to try to get wet wood going. It just doesn't happen unless God is involved in it. Sometimes in our lives we are that wet wood. And nothing gets us going until the Lord comes into our life, till the Holy Spirit fills us and moves us. And it says, and he put the wood in order, and he cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill this up three times over. And they did. And so it says, oh, the water ran all around the altar, so he fulfilled the trench with water. And then he called on the Lord. He says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Listen, he wasn't just doing them out of his own desire, out of his own uh, ignorance. He wanted to be that thermostat. He says, I am doing these things out of your word, Lord. I am going to set the tone for what is about to happen. I am speaking confidence in the Lord. Do you speak confidently in the Lord? Do you believe in the promises of God that he will do what he says that he will do? That his his promises are forever? And again, that comes to our commitment sometimes. It comes to our commitment to the Lord. It comes to our commitment to his body. It comes to the commitment to the ministry that he has called us to. If we really believe that that is what God has called us to, we see it through. That's the thermostat. We see it through in the good times and the bad times, in the high times and the low times, when it feels wonderful, when it feels difficult. We see it through. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. He's praying to God to bring God into the situation because Elijah said, I don't want this to be of man. I don't want this to be about me. This is about the Lord. And Lord, you are going to turn people back to you. It says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifices and the wood and the stones uh, and the dust and it licked up the water from within the trench. The Lord did a miracle at that moment. Elijah had just come off this great victory. He had seen those things. And sometimes in our life we have that. We are feeling the Holy Spirit in our life and we are feeling energized and we are just like, whew, man, God is good. He is doing some great and awesome things. And it says, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord He is God. See, God will show himself around us at all times if we're looking for him. The Bible tells us and and life tells us in general and God is the creator of all life that we will find what we are looking for. I remember a a little parable or a story of a, of a guy that was walking through New York with his Native American friend. And, and as they're walking, they're, they're hearing you know all the noise of the cities. Now, I've never been to New York, but I was raised in Minneapolis. And, and you know what the big cities sound like as you're walking down the streets. The the cars are zooming by and the ho- horns are honking and, and people are talking. And, and it's just the noise of the trains and the buses and just... The, the noise that's there, and as him and his friend are walking down, the Native American gentleman says, I, I hear a bird. And he goes over to this bush and he opens it up and he sees this little nest with these little birds. And his friend was amazed. He says, how could you hear that amongst all these things? How could you hear that with all this noise going on? And the Native American gentleman said, we will hear what we want to hear. We will hear what we are trained to hear. And at that point he pulled out of his pocket a coin and he threw it up and it came down on the cement walk. And you know what a a coin sounds like when it's dropped, this ting, ting, ting. And as that was tinging, all these people stopped and they were looking around because they had heard this money fall on the ground. See, we will look for what we want to. We will look for what we are trained to. We will see what it is that we want to see. And the question is, is are you seeing God in the picture? Are you seeing God in all these things? And so right after this great victory, the drought ended. We see that that, uh, Elijah sent them up to look for the rain and I think he went up seven times and finally he said that uh, he saw a little cloud coming out and pretty soon the skies were dark and, and the rain came. And then we see that Elijah then ran from this woman called Jezebel. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and so how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a message messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods, little g, do to me, and more also, if I do do not make your life uh, as one of them by tomorrow about this time. She's basically saying, uh, you're going to be dead by tomorrow this time. I'm coming after you, Elijah. Now he just saw this great thing that God had done. And he had put a lot of energy and a lot of himself and he was all excited about the things that God was doing and that God had done. But at this time, we find that he becomes afraid. He becomes scared of this woman. And it says, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. And a little bit later it says, he went under this uh, broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And he says, it is enough. Now Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. Can you imagine going from the peak to the valley that quick? He had just seen this wonderful thing that God had done. He had spoken so confidently about what God was going to do and what God was doing and God had fulfilled that and showed him. And now all of a sudden, He's running for his life. He's running from his life from a woman who is worshipping a God that he was just mocking the other day. How often do we become afraid of these things? Well, twice it says that an angel came and touched him and spoke to him about certain things. And in verse 9 of chapter 19, it says there, he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They have torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and speak, uh, and, and seek to take my life. Now listen, I want you to see how Elijah's focus had turned in the short time from what God was doing back to himself. Remember, he was mocking God, the, the little gods, the God of Baal. He was mocking them, and, and when he prayed, he brought God into the situation, and now he seems to be pushing God out of the situation, and his focus is back upon himself. Look what they're going to do to me. Look what they want to do to me. I'm left here all alone, and they're going to try to kill me, and I'm running for my life, and I'm going to hide. Sometimes when situations come, we run away from them instead of standing firm in the Lord. And I think that's the message here that that God wants for us, is that we need to stand firm in the Lord. Verse 11, then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. See, sometimes we're looking for God in all the activity and all the hoopla, and all the, the, the things that catch our attention, instead of that just small voice, where God says, I am with you, it will not leave you, it will forsake you. He asks Elijah, what are you doing here? He says, I am left alone, and they're looking to take my life. verse 18, yet I have reserved, God says, 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Sometimes when we feel we're all alone, God says, I have many more around. What Elijah had done was he turned his focus upon himself. I can't tell you how many times that has happened to me where, where I'm in a situation and instead of looking at the big picture and instead of looking at others and what God is doing around me, I begin to focus on myself and how many really uh, spiritual Christians or mature Christians do that. Their focus gets turned upon themselves instead upon the work of the Lord and what God wants to do. And, and so we look at, well, what causes that? What is the reasoning for that? Well, I think the first thing is sometimes we're running on empty. Elijah had gone through a lot. Sometimes when we go through ministry things, it's great, it's wonderful, but sometimes we just expend a lot of energy and we get tired sometimes. Sometimes our lives never seem to slow down enough to really see or hear what the Lord is saying to us. That's the importance of starting in the morning or or during the day or different times and just really bringing God into the situation like Elijah started to. Lord God, you can do these things. Lord, what is it that you have for me today? Lord, what is it that you want me to speak? Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Sometimes we feel all alone and we ask God why. He doesn't mind that question of why. The important thing is that we're talking with him and we're listening to him and we want to hear his word that he says. This morning in, in the Bible study as we were going through different things, uh, we had one verse that I, it just stuck out to me and it was in uh, John eight forty seven. It says, He who is of God hears God's words. therefore, do, Therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. Are you hearing God's voice in your life? And if you're hearing it, are you responding to what it is that he has to say to you? So I want to talk about just Elijah briefly in the four um, sources of despair in his life that he had. His first one was really depleted energy. Sometimes we just get tired you know even Jesus got tired in his earthly ministry? Being fully God and fully man, there were still times when he became weary. He was tired. They said that he would withdraw. It didn't mean that he pushed others away. Whenever the opportunity came to minister to others, he was always an open door. He was always available. Because remember when the disciples said, you know, stop bothering him. We're tired. We've been through a lot. And Jesus says, don't forsake. Don't forsake them from coming to me, the little children or others. And he tells us that all the time. But when things are are really at ease, we need to really take some time to, to get fed by the word of God. We need to take time to spend it in his word. We need to spend time in fellowship. As a body of believers, we need to spend time in prayer, praying together. We need to be the thermostat that sets the tone instead of the, uh, the thermometer that just reacts to the environment around us. We need to be steadfast in the things that we were doing. Elijah was pumped after the amazing victory, but he was tired after all of it when it had happened. Secondly, fear of the world. That woman Jezebel, we hear about her all the time. Elijah, you're a dead man. And he ran. How often does fear enter our life? Fear of being rejected. Fear of the unknown. Fear of of making a mistake. Fear that I won't say the right thing. How come you don't witness to people? I just don't know if I'd say the right thing. That's a fear. Satan is the one that puts fear in our life. How come you don't see it through? What if if we don't make it? What if it doesn't turn out the way that I think it should? Well, that's fine, because it's going to turn out the way that God wants it to. Be faithful to Him and and let God handle the situations. But so many times we rely on ourselves, on our intellect, on the things that, that we want. It's not that those doubts don't come into our mind at times. It's not that sometimes we say, is it even worth it? But we really know, and I always say this in my life, that when I disagree with God, I know that I'm wrong and that he's right. I know that. But it's not that sometimes I don't think those things because we do. Elijah was such a man, and he was thinking of those things. He was fearing for his life. What if this woman gets a hold of me? What if... My life is taken from me. What if? The fear that happens. And then what happens when we have that fear? We know this maybe all too well too. We isolate ourselves from other people. You ever see this? I was talking with Carlos today. He just was telling me about a a gentleman that didn't show up at a study. Sometimes when we have things going on in our life, we withdraw when we should be drawing closer. Remember when we just went through the detours in our lives? The times when we want to run and hide and just bury ourselves is probably the time when we really need to seek God more and to seek the fellowship more and to get the encouragement from other believers. That's the importance of the church body. That's the importance of of the family of the church is that I'm just not feeling good today. I'm, just, I'm struggling with things. And to have somebody come up and say, Hey, can I pray for you? Or you're in my prayers. I can't tell you how many times when I talk with individuals and they just give that, that little word to me. Hey, I've been praying for you. I hope things are, are going well. You came to mind today. And I'm, I'm praying. I'm, I'm lifting you up today. See, he feared... For his life, and so he was going to isolate himself. He was going to pull away when he should have been getting more involved. He was a thermometer at that point, running and hiding and, and getting away. He was reacting to the circumstances around him instead of setting the tone around him and being that thermostat. Many of us do this very same thing in our life. I do this very same thing in my life. Sometimes I just say, you know what? I don't feel people-y today. I just need to get out in the woods. I just need to get out on the lake. I just need to get away. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes we need that that little bit of of time to, to reflect. But it can become unhealthy pretty quick when we fall too far away. As a pastor of almost thirty years, I've seen it happen in the church when when people begin to fall into sin or fall into despair or, or struggle with things. All of a sudden, they're not here for services. They're not involved in the Bible studies anymore. Their their commitment wavers. Again, that's the thermometer reacting to the situations. Instead of really reaching out to others, we pull into our our shells we're like that turtle that just sort of recoils and and hides our ourself in instead of really getting out and getting where God would have us to be one of the other things that happens when we pull ourselves away is we become sort of in that self-pity mode and every now and then we get there right Anybody else get there? I get there every now and then. I get in a little self-pity, woe is me thing, and I like to have my little pity party. And and sometimes I just want to stay in that for a while. I know I'm going to come out of it. We get in that self-pity. Woe is me. Elijah. Great victory. Ended the drought. Had all these things happening. And he runs from this lady. And so what does he do? He prays. He says, Lord, just take my life. Take my life. I'm tired. I don't want it anymore. I'm done. We could just say this is sort of a clinical depression we could be looking at. Take my life. How low can we go sometimes in our life when we think about those things? That's sometimes why why people are the way that they are. I was just listening to a uh, a statistic on one of the news channels this past week, how teen suicides is at all time high. I can't imagine what that's like, just to reach the end of your rope. I mean, we all probably think, man, I'm just tired of this. I just can't wait to go home to the Lord. I used to tell Julie that, all, not that. I'd say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. She'd say, stop saying that. I said, well, that's what the Bible says. Well, I was misquoting the Bible. But I mean, we all know we're going to be there someday. And Paul said that, he says, man, I just yearn to be with the Lord. Oh, man, I yearn to be with the Lord. This tent is getting old and it's tiring the things that he was doing. But he said, you know what, as long as I'm here, I know God has a purpose for me. And I'm going to continue in that. So God has some solutions for us. First is rest. Sometimes we need rest. Sometimes we just need to slow down. How busy are we sometimes in our life? How busy are we? Sometimes, I, I and, and I'll tell you, I'm a product of that. There was times when i just go. I didn't have time for anything in the day. My time was booked from morning until the time I went to bed. There was one time in, my, in our life when, when I was working three jobs at one time. And, and, you know, in the wintertime when it gets dark early, I'd wake up and I didn't know if it was morning or night. It was like something's got to change, something's got to stop. But like a, it's sort of like a drug if you're a workaholic or if you're a busy person all the time. You know, you exchange one for the other. And so that's sort of what I did. But I always kept busy, kept busy, kept busy. And it's like, where do you sort of find the balance? Where do you get the rest to slow down? Do you set aside time every day where you just shut your phone off? Sometimes I don't even carry my phone with me or I turn it on silent. This is like, because I see, and we all see it, and maybe we're a product of this and I'm not pointing fingers, but I tell you, you can walk down the mall and you can see probably 90% of people with a phone up to their face or you can be standing in line for something ring, ring, and sh- oh man, we've got to answer that phone right now oh, maybe a status has changed and we get a ding that something on social media has changed and we're just into this mode. Sometimes Julie and I will just be laying around and, and uh, we'll hear our phone ding, you know, like, I don't know if it's an email or a message or Snapchat or FaceTime, whatever it it They'll ding and it's just like, you know, you can't leave that phone there, can you? I gotta see what it is. Because something just dinged, you know. So, so I've sort of learned, well, if I don't want to respond like Pavlog's dog to this ding, I'm going to turn the thing off. And then I can look at it a little later and see all the dings that came in together. But we need some of that rest. Sometimes we need quiet. We need that time when we can just spend time in prayer and listen for God to speak to us. To speak to our heart. I think one of the things Elijah had to do is he had to rediscover God. Sometimes we just need to really rediscover God. We get so busy doing good things. And and one statement I used to always say is, you know, we can be uh, busy doing godly things, but not necessarily doing the things of God. If you can take something with you, take that with you and just chew on that for a week. We can be busy doing godly things, but not necessarily the things of God. Meaning this, that God has something that he wants us to do. And we need to focus on that. We can be busy doing all sorts of things that are good things. But see, God has some specific things He wants us to focus on and specific things that He wants us to do. Elijah needed to come out of his cave to really see what God was doing. He heard the wind, he heard the thunder, he saw the fire. But he needed to come out of the cave to really rediscover who God was. Otherwise, he would have just died in that cave. Sometimes we get in this little cave of life. We may be in amongst people, but we're really alone. We've lost the art of really communicating with people, being able to talk with people. I was talking with... uh, um, supervisor up at the school where I'm working at and we were talking about some some different things up there and he says you know, some of my people just can't communicate with other people appropriately. Of course you're dealing with students and, and their parents and students are usually a product of their parents and so we can imagine what that's like sometimes and if you can't communicate with them in an appropriate way you have problems. We need to learn to communicate with God in an appropriate way. We don't go to God just telling him what we want and what we think it should be. We need to many times listen to him and say, Lord, what is it that you have? What is it that you want for me? Elijah had to find a reassignment. You need to take your eyes off yourself. We are selfish people. And, And I'm in there. I'm not pointing fingers. We're selfish people. Many times when we look at things, we say, well, how is this going to affect me? What am I going to benefit out of this? What what do I get out of this thing? We've turned our our relationship with God and our Christianity into sort of like a, a business venture. Well, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. But see, Jesus is just the total opposite Jesus says we give, not expecting in return. We do, not expecting blessing. The Lord says when we get to heaven, we're going to get our just reward. But we need to take our eyes off of ourselves. If I think about myself all the time, I can say, woe is me. Oh man, things are bad. Oh, I got this ache and this pain. But when I look at others, I forget about myself. When I minister to others... I begin to see God at work and I become less. And isn't that really the plan of our our Christian walk? That that we become less and He becomes greater? It's not so important that people see me, but that they see Christ in me. Because they're going to forget about me. we're, We're a vain people. You know, we really are as individuals. We like our names plastered on everything. We have our... Our, you know, our, our epitaph on our, our gravestone. But you know what? Really, statistics say that when I'm dead and buried and I got my, my name on my tombstone and, and, uh, or headstone, whatever they call' them now, that uh, you know, my kids will remember me and maybe my grandkids, But after that, I'm just going to be some stone that people walk by. Well, I remember the lingering name or you know whatever in uh, probably a generation after that, it's nothing. Walk through a cemetery of your hometown. What what do those stones mean to you? Probably nothing until you get to your grandparents or your parents or maybe a family member that's close or a good friend. But that's how vain we are. You know, we, we wanna name buildings after ourselves. The Trump Towers, it's gonna be there forever. Just so we know who Mr. Trump is. Well, we'll never forget who Mr. Trump is, I don't think. But we need that other's orientation whenever I, I start getting hung up on things I try to always come back to this thought that Jesus came for people he came for people he didn't come for institutions he didn't come for denominations he didn't come for our self recognition he didn't come for our memorials he came for people and when I got saved he saved me for people I am now that conduit that goes out to reach out to others. We need to get another's orientation. Thinking about others. The Bible says what? Esteem others greater than yourself. Humble yourselves under others. Do nothing that would cause others to stumble. We were talking about that in our Bible study this morning. Fourth is relationships. Accountability to others. We have a, a program in our prison called Christian Accountability, and Chaplain Moore runs that. And It's really where guys come together and they are supposed to hold each other accountable in their walk. Not just when they're in the chapel, but how are you living out back? Why are you doing those things out back? You call yourself a Christian, we want to walk uh, our talk, right? We want to live what we profess. I get tired when people say, you know, the church is full of hypocrites, and and we do have hypocrisy in us, but, but listen, some of us just walk that way thinking it's okay. Well, I come to church, I give in the offering, I put my time in, like this is a prison sentence, but then when we're out back... We're going to just live the way that we want to. When we walk out the doors, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to cheat my my business person. I'm going to, you know, be fraudulent on my taxes. I'm going to go out and do the things that the world does. We don't like that accountability, but God says we need to be accountable to one another as believers. We need to receive God's word from one another. We need to challenge one another. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man's countenance sharpens another. It works for women, too. We sharpen each other as believers because we want to build the body. We want to lay the foundation. We want to be strong in our walk. And there's no better way to deal with some of the emotional stuff that we go through than to deal with others. To get it off our chest, to share with other believers, to pray for one another. Somebody that can understand what we're going through. Because you know many times we think we're the only one. Lord I'm the only one. But when we begin to share all of a sudden the brother says you know I've been through something similar to that. I sort of understand what you're going through. I sort of understand. There is a movement called Promise Keepers. I I don't hear much about it anymore. I don't know if it's around, but I remember when they were dealing with with, uh, pornography and it was like, you know, a lot of men just thought, I'm the only one that's struggling with this and, you know, I'm not a good Christian because, you know, other Christians don't struggle with this and I struggle with this. And they found out through that movement, through that men's accountability movement, that many struggled with it. See, we all struggle with different things. And the things we struggle with are given to us many times in the detours of our life to help us build others, to help us share with others as God works in our lives. Accountable to one another if we're struggling with things. You know, I sort of struggle with this, Lord, and I can tell a friend. You know, I, I've had some good friends in my in my ministry, and I'd, I'd say, you know, I really struggle with this sometimes. And so every now and then, when I would talk with them, they'd say, Well, how are you doing with that? How you doing with that anger thing? How are you doing with that, that bitterness thing? How are you doing with that getting even thing that you, you deal with sometimes? Whew. I don't always like to hear that, but they, they bring that up. And when you're accountable to one another, it forces you to deal with it than just hiding it in your life. So what is your response? Elijah asked, How long are you going to waver between these two opinions? How long are you going to walk on the fence, trying to keep a foot in the world and a foot in the spiritual sense? How long are you going to be driven to and fro, back and forth? If the Lord is your God, follow him. But if the world is your God, follow it. Think about that. We call ourselves Christians. That means Christ follower. They said it in Acts as a, as a uh, degrading remark to the people. It says they were first called Christians in Antioch. He's a Christ follower. The sad thing today is many of us call ourselves Christians. But we don't follow Christ. We follow our ways, our paths, our desires. And we want God to hop on board with what we're doing instead of hopping on his train. God might be asking you, What are you doing? Are you someone like Elijah when he asked the people and the people said nothing? What is your response? Let's pray. Father, your word is mighty and powerful. Your spirit is given to those who place their trust in you that it might draw us closer to you, that it might convict us, that it can encourage us, that it can heal us and comfort us. But it can also, Lord, make us very uncomfortable. Lord, we just pray as your people that we would have a heart after you, that we would desire to follow you, that we would be committed, Lord, beyond our emotions, beyond our feelings, that we wouldn't just be uh, thermometers that react to things around us. We know what's going to happen from time to time. and We know that none of us is perfect. We know that we falter in many ways, Lord. But Lord, really help us to have the attitude that we want to be a thermostat. We want to keep that steady Christian testimony. That we would put our dependence upon you and that our eyes would be focused upon you. And when we fall short, Lord, that we have that advocate, that we can seek forgiveness and and find your ways. But Lord, help us, Lord, to really desire in our heart because that's what it is. Those things that we desire, we will pursue. Those things that we do believe, we will do. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not the things that I command? And he goes on to explain, depart from me, I never knew you. So Lord, help us to desire after you. May your wants be our wants. May your needs be our needs. May we see the opportunities around us and respond to those and share the good news of Jesus Christ. For it is only through Christ that people will find eternal life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way, the truth, and life. Help us to be bold, as Elijah was. And when we feel weak, Lord, help us to turn to you to find the strength that we need. That we can speak the words that you would have us to speak and do the things that you would have us to do. Bless us, Lord, this day, this week. Give us opportunities that may cross our path. May we be a light in a dark world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.